This is the Truth Hurts Program. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Truth Hurts Program, being recorded today on the cell phone, since the Spotify folks at Anchor.fm have for some reason locked my account. I cannot access the account from the computer, and they at Anchor.fm at Spotify cannot figure out what the problem is. Perhaps it's my content. Perhaps they're trying to cancel the Truth Hurts program. We're not going to let that happen. We're not saying anything illegal, unethical, immoral. We're only telling the truth. And that must really, really bother the folks in the mainstream leftist, progressive, liberal, woke media, the social media outlets, and others. Hello, everybody. It is Monday once again, the 20th day of March 2023. I am doing the program from the cell phone today, so I do apologize if there are any issues with the sound quality. But it is what it is, as they say. Alex Hall writes in Fox News, Biden skewered as the world's worst Catholic who cheapens Irish and Catholic identity. And it's true. Joe Biden will run around most of the time touting his white privilege, his white Irish Catholic heterosexual married straight white male privilege. And then tell you that if you dare be proud of your Catholic heritage, Christian heritage, heterosexual heritage, if you're a white person, then you're inherently evil. That's what the Democrat Party message is to all of our nation. He does it to pander to the Blafrican American 13% hyphenated minority. He does it to pander to the illegal, criminal, law-breaking, trespassing, invading migrants coming across the border. Those white people don't want you in their country because you have dark skin. That's what Biden would have you believe. As the world prepared this weekend to celebrate St. Patrick's Day and today St. Joseph's Day, an Italian holiday, a writer at The Telegraph bashed President Biden for being, quote, the worst unquote, public representation of Irish Catholicism's legacy. A Pennsylvania-born Joe Biden professes his Catholic roots as well as his Irish heritage. He does it whenever it's expedient politically to do so. If it's speaking to a bunch of Catholics, he wants you to know how proud he is of his Catholic upbringing. If he's speaking in front of a bunch of Irish folks, he says, hey, I'm Irish-American. He even had bagpipes insultingly played at the White House for St. Patrick's Day on his first St. Patrick's Day as president. He said at that time, they really know how to make an Irishman feel special White House. He also made the internet cringe when he made a statement, quote, I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid, unquote. That angered many in the Irish community. In a time of year where many remember Ireland's most famous holy man, who happened to be St. Patrick, an Italian, as well as the legacy of Irish culture around the world, Mr. Biden was roasted for his lack of leadership and his lack of moral character. Ruth Dudley Edwards is a writer for the publication The Telegraph, and Ruth writes, quote, 
President Joe Biden's self-delusion seems to be boundless. When he looks in the mirror, he apparently sees an upright Irish Catholic, true to the historic values of his deeply rooted religious identity. He is, however, in fact, an appalling Catholic who publicly flouts the church's most cherished teachings and is about as authentically Irish as a leprechaun hat in a St. Patrick's Day parade. She then went on to slam Biden for his supposed avowed connection to the Catholic Church, to Christianity, and to Irish culture. She wrote, Many Americans, including many Catholics, will agree with his views, for example, on the issue of abortion, which once saw him denied Holy Communion on the campaign trail in South Carolina. What sticks in the craw is his willingness to use his Irish Catholic identity to burnish his image, while seemingly knowing nothing about either. She observed how Biden has fought for the rights of parents to approve gender-affirming transitional medical care for children, despite the fact that it's been several years since the Catholic Church's Pope Francis denounced radical gender ideology. She then praised Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, whom she praised both for having banned lessons on gender identity in kindergarten to howls of outrage from progressives, and since then has acted to restrict puberty blockers, hormone and surgical interventions for minors. Biden claims that he condemns such efforts, yet you won't hear him listening to the women who've seen their sports destroyed by the introduction of male competitors, or to the young adults whose lives have been ruined through surgical procedures that they later regretted. She noted grimly that Biden is in tune with the woke radicalization of many over in Ireland itself. At least on his topic, Biden is in touch with his distant Irish roots. In 2015, Irish passed, or Ireland rather, passed the Gender Recognition Act, and it's just about the one that is as extreme that brought down Nicola Sturgeon. All right, folks. The Hate Crime Act in neighboring Scotland will make certain political arguments punishable by up to seven years in jail, and that seems to be what Biden and the Democrats want to do. Don't you dare speak out against the Biden policies or the Democrat Party, for you will be silenced one way or the other. There's an article in The Atlantic this morning and it says the strongest evidence yet that an animal started the pandemic, and they show a photograph of the COVID magnified COVID virus and a raccoon. <laughs> so I guess it wasn't a bat. Maybe it was a raccoon. Because for three years now, the debate over the origins of the coronavirus pandemic has flip-flopped between the idea that COVID spilled into the human population from some wild animal source at a wet market or it was a lab leak after the intentionally gain-of-function research manufactured COV-2 virus made by humans, paid for by your tax dollars, under the direction of people like Dr. Fucci, was either leaked intentionally or accidentally from the very lab where gain-of-function research is being done, was being done, and apparently will continue to be done. 
Now there's another article out there saying there may be some genetic evidence found by an international team of virologists, genomicists, and evolutionary biologists who claim they may have found crucial data to help fill the gap of knowledge as to the origin of the COVID. A new analysis of genetic sequences collected from the wet market in Wuhan shows that raccoon dogs being illegally sold at the venue could have been carrying and possibly shedding that virus at the end of 2019. No proof could have been. Well, it could have been space aliens from the planet Mulakalak, but we all know where it came from, who developed it, and who allowed it to spread with your tax dollars. The Veterans Administration is now dropping an Abraham Lincoln quote as its motto. Why? Well, because everything is bigoted in America. Everyone is hurt, and wokeness has taken over our nation. The Department of Veterans Affairs has officially changed its mission statement, dropping a quote from former President Abraham Lincoln because the quote used male pronouns, and some people viewed that as excluding women. They want to change the words of our founding documents, you know, uh, endowed by a creator that all men are created equal. They want to change that to all people. Men, referring to mankind, includes man and woman, W-O-M-A-N. Of course, the gender-bender crowd wants to get rid of the terms man and woman altogether. They want to get rid of terms like male and female. They want to make up new words. And now the Department of Veterans Affairs, a highly politicized organization, working at the whim and will of Joe Biden and the woke Democrats, on Thursday last week, they announced their new motto is, quote, to fulfill President Lincoln's promise to care for those who have served in our military and for their families, caregivers, and survivors. Sorry, I left out a word. To fulfill President Lincoln's promise to care for those who have served in our nation's military and for their families, caregivers, and survivors. Good catch there, producer. The new statement replaces the original 1959 mission statement, which was just fine. And it said to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan. Those were eloquent, well-spoken words by President Abraham Lincoln. But you see, they don't include women's veterans. They don't include veteran families. They only said the man and his widow and his orphan. Well, his orphan could have been an orphan daughter or an orphan son. Since there are only two genders, there's no other third option. VA Secretary Dennis McDonough says, quote, whenever any veteran, family member, caregiver, or survivor walk by a VA facility, we want them to see themselves, the mission statement, on the outside of the building. We are here to serve all veterans, their family, their caregiver, the survivor, and now our mission statement reflect exactly that. 
Now, I want you to think for just a moment. And it's, I know it's a drop in the bucket compared to a $7 trillion proposed budget by Joe Biden. But in every VA facility around the nation, they're going to have to change the plaque, the poster, the inscripted concrete pillar at the beginning of the building, at the entrance to the building. They're going to have to change their mission statement on all of their letterheads, all of their publications, because having any of the old statement, even laying around in a closet somewhere, is going to piss somebody off. That's the way it works. Oh, look, we found one of the old mission statements in a file cabinet on the 17th floor of this building in an abandoned wing of the hospital. Let us sue the entire United States government and the VA because they may have offended somebody. The change came after years of complaints from some veterans groups that claim women do not feel comfortable at the VA. Do you think changing the statement, the the motto, the mission statement is going to make women suddenly comfortable at the VA? Really? Is that what you truly, honestly believe in your core soul? Changing the mission statement is going to suddenly make women feel comfortable at the VA. I didn't see anything in there about lattes or fuzzy slippers or anything of that nature. They're just changing the mission statement. And that will indeed cost the United States of America likely millions of dollars. Because if you have to throw out all of the old documents, the old publications, the old flyers, the old brochures, change the signs, change the posters in the hallways, just to put this new crazy motto up, that doesn't happen for free. The Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America in 2018 asked former VA Secretary Dave Shulkin to change the motto saying that the old quote symbolizes the obstacles women face in navigating the VA system. Of course, what article in America would be complete without a Trump bashing? The next line reads, the Trump administration ignored those demands. See, that's the problem. How dare you demand anything? You can request Because maybe the old motto was just fine for millions of Vietnam War veterans, Afghan War veterans, World War II veterans, Civil War veterans, World War I veterans, Korean conflict veterans, and just people who served and never had to go to battle. They probably couldn't tell you what the VA motto was because it's irrelevant. The mission statement? Who cares? Do your job. Quit making statements for crying out loud. The VA noted that it currently serves more than 600,000 women veterans, which are the fastest growing cohort of veterans. But why does it matter? I thought we were beyond gender. I thought gender didn't matter, that gender was fluid, that gender encompassed all, and that there were more than just men and women. Why suddenly is women important again? Is it because the left, the progressive, the liberal, the woke only use multi-genderism, supposedly, when it suits their fancy? 
The VA had sent out two rounds of surveys and conducted what they claim were dozens of small group engagements with veterans to understand what was most important to them in a VA mission statement. They used the feedback to write the new motto. The VA says the new mission statement reflects that VA serves all the heroes who have served our country, regardless of their race, gender, background, sexual orientation, religion, zip code, or identity. The old motto, featuring Lincoln's quote, was installed on plaques at roughly half of the VA's facilities, and now in the next few months, those plaques, very expensive, not cheap, not cheap at all, your tax dollars will pay so that the VA can take those plaques down and replace them with the new motto. Yes, folks, the veterans supposedly gave a damn more about what was written on the motto as to whether or not urine was being mopped up in the hallways when an old veteran pisses himself. The motto on the plaque in the front of the building is more important to veterans than receiving, I don't know, better quality food while they're in the hospital, better service, more decency, more respect. Nope, it's all in the motto because mottos apparently matter more than the veterans' health and comfort. Let's talk about Camel Toe Harris, the Vice Resident of the United States. I had a Truth Hurts listener send me a text here, a private message. It says, why do you call her Camel Toe Harris and why do you say she is the Vice Resident and not the Vice President? Well, in a still legitimacy questioned election of gropey Joe Biden, the fondler, the pedophile, and Camel Toe Harris, there's always been some confusion as to how to pronounce her name. Some call her Kamala, some call her Kamala, some call her Kamala, some call her other names. Besides incompetent, I call her Camel Toe, Camel Toe Harris. It just seems to work. Vice President Camel Toe Harris was booed by the crowd at her alma mater's March Madness game. That's right. When you're the vice resident of the United States. Oh, I need to explain that part. Okay. Vice resident. Because it is still questionable as to whether or not Camel Toe and Gropey Joe won the election. She just is a resident at the White House. She goes in there, has meetings, and does speeches and such. She may have an office down there, but she's not the vice president. On... Thursday, March 17th, Miss Harris did not receive a very warm welcome at her alma mater. Her and her husband, Doug Emhoff, a white guy, came out to the Howard University first round game in the March Madness Tournament. When they were showed on the Jumbotron at Wells Fargo Arena in Des Moines, Iowa, they were reportedly met with more boos than applause. Despite the snub, and despite her team's loss to the University of Kansas, rather, Harris went to the locker room. She met with the players, and this article says she went there to lift their spirits. Listen to the word salad that came out of Camel Toe Harris's mouth with that whiny, 
nasally voice and that god-awful cackling laugh. She said, You played hard. You played to the very last second. You made all us bisons proud. You are smart. You are disciplined. You put everything you had into the game. You guys did not stop. And that is so inspiring. You So you kept playing with chin up and shoulders back because you showed the world who bison are. Now that's not very uplifting coming from her. I'm going to break down her word salad. You played hard. Well, yeah, that's what basketball players do. They didn't go in there with the intention of slacking, Miss Harris. You played to the very last second. Yes, when the buzzer goes off at the end of the fourth quarter, you stop playing. That's what basketball players do. They play to the very last second. You made all us Bisons proud by losing. By losing. You are smart. Apparently not smart enough to figure out how to win against Kansas. You are disciplined. Yes, you stayed in the locker room despite knowing that Camel Toe Harris was coming to speak to you. You stayed in the locker room because your coach told you to. That makes you disciplined. You put everything you had into the game. Apparently what you had was not enough. You guys did not stop. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me it was all guys? There were no transgender women playing on the basketball squad at Howard? Not only guys? You guys did not stop, she said. And that is so inspiring. Why? Oh, it may be inspiring to Camel Toe Harris. Thank you. Thank you, producer. Because Harris hasn't even gotten started. She's done nothing since becoming the vice president. You can't stop if you don't start, Camel Toe Harris. And she's never started. Maybe this will inspire her to actually get off her dead ass and do something as vice president. Hopefully, with her track record, for the sake of the United States of America, she'll continue to do nothing. That is the safest thing for Camel Toe Harris to be doing. Nothing. Then she says, you keep playing with chin up and shoulders back. Well... Let's think about that for a moment. Is that like being top of mind? Top of mind, top of mind. You kept, or you keep, so you keep playing with chin up and shoulders back. That's the way these certain ethnicities walk around with their chin up and their shoulders back like they're bowed up, ready to do something. They didn't do anything but lose. She says, because you showed the world who bison are. Bison are. Yes, Bison are the team that lost to Kansas. Now, this is not the only thing she said. She says, I know you may not be feeling great right now because you lost. Okay, but know who you are. You are excellence. The definition of excellence doesn't mean losers. I'm not bashing the team. The team did. They played a good game. They tried. They really did, folks. But this woman, is if she's trying to make them feel better, all she's doing is kicking them in the groin. She says, you are excellence. You are hard work. You are powerful. And you are winners. 
Apparently, she doesn't know the difference. Excellence means they would have won. Hard work, yes. Powerful, yes, but not as powerful as Kansas. And no, you're not winners. You lost, which makes you woozers. She posted a picture of her, or video rather, of her speech on Instagram. And the comments were amazing. I won't go into them. We don't have enough time. Oh, my goodness. Hey, folks. This is the Truth Hurts program. Let's see what else we've got to talk about. We're running short on time. There was an article in the Talker publication that said huge doomsday blast from the sun this week could have killed the Earth's internet. A doomsday blast. I like that. They love scaring you. They love to create a crisis on the left. A massive eruption of solar material known as the coronal mass ejection, a CME, from our sun was detected on Monday, March 13th at 3.30 in the morning, Britain time. The potentially catastrophic CME was compared to the Carrington event, the most intense geomatic, geomagnetic storm on the sun in recorded history back in 1859. You know, when we were still putting magnifying glasses together to look at the sun. That event knocked out the telegraph systems over Europe and North America. This one should have, according to NASA, have catastrophic effect on modern power grids and telecommunications networks. We are now one week past that event. Nothing bad happened, which to me says... They're creating crises just to try and scare you into doing this, that, or the other. And that happened on the sun. So you can't blame man-caused global anything on a geomagnetic solar storm. Washington Examiner has an article. It says, San Francisco advances its reparations plan, but has no idea how to pay for it. San Francisco, California's plan to give $5 million in reparations to each qualifying African american resident in the city continues to move forward. One minor detail that no one has worked out yet is where the hell is the money going to come from? With people leaving California in droves, led by who? Rich, white, privileged people capable of moving if they want to. That's who. There will be no one left in California to pay for this so-called $5 million in Reparation H. The San Francisco City Board of Supervisors unanimously approved the draft plan, and they've set up a meeting on it for September. The committee behind the plan has admitted there's no calculations that have been made to arrive at the $5 million per person number. It was all based on, quote, feeling about what seemed like enough, unquote. Neither the committee, the mayor, the board of supervisors, which you would think takes itself rather seriously, none of those people have determined where any of this money would come from. Last year, the budget that the board approved for the city was $14 billion. If you stop funding everything in San Francisco for an entire year, police, fire, city hall, sewage, water, utilities boards, everything, 
if you stop funding every department in San Francisco, including the lights, the gas, the electricity, the heat, the air conditioning, etc., and you put that money towards a reparations plan at $5 million a person, you could pay out reparations to 2,800 qualifying black people. By the way, San Francisco's black population is about 40,000 people. So even if the city had $14 billion to spend every year, which it doesn't, given its growing budget deficit, it would take 14 years to pay out that kind of money to every black resident. And with those black residents reproducing, well, you see a problem, right? That is with the city spending nothing on any other city function, any other city program. For 14 years, the city of San Francisco would have to stop running entirely in order to pay reparations. The city could and would weed out which recipients would be eligible for this, telling some of its black residents that, well, their ancestors weren't oppressed enough to get paid. The more black residents the city cuts out of the plan, the more it undermines its own logic for reparations in the first place. Makes about as much sense as forcing people over 150 years removed from slavery to pay money to people 150 years removed from slavery in a city in California. California, of course, was never a slave state. At some point, San Francisco will have to determine where the money for its plan will come from and to whom it will be given. And that will make for interesting popcorn-related entertainment. Folks, I've run out of time for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Go out there and make it a great day. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Truth Hurts program. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. I apologize if you are offended, but I retract nothing. Background music courtesy of Jason Shaw and Audio Nautics. Copyright 2023, the Truth Hurts Program Network. All rights reserved. Thank you.